for this morning, Psalms 127, and we'll get into the final message for today. And uh, it's been good. I've been excited about this. Uh, um, generally, it's just business as usual with me, but I've been a little extra excited about this day, the homecoming day. Now, if you've been sitting for a while and you would like to stand, you don't have to, but if you would like to sort of stretch those muscles a little bit, let that blood flow. Psalms 127, I'm going to read one verse here, and I won't be long. If you want to stand, you don't have to stand. Some people, it, it's, it's hard to get up and down, but if, if you've ever been in a long meeting, like an all-day preacher's fellowship, and you're just like, oh man, if I got to sit here another five minutes, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's when you get real spiritual, you know, you're like, oh, and then you just kind of walk out, kind of walk around, walk it off, you know, come back in, you know, you're okay. All right, one verse of scripture this morning, and we're going to preach on accept the Lord, uh, build the house. Verse one, he said, accept the Lord, build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Let us pray, and then we'll get into the message. Our gracious Father, we come to you. Now, Lord, we love you. We thank you. For this time, we thank you uh, for the privilege of being here in America, and Lord, for the privilege of being here uh, in this building today. And uh, Lord, help us now to spend a, a little time uh, meditating on your word. Let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. May be seated. Except the Lord. Build the house is my thought for today. Uh, I wanted to preach on why no homecomings, but uh, I, I'm going to reserve that for another time. And being as this is homecoming and we're looking around and the church is, is, is beginning to bud forth and to, and to grow, uh, we got to make sure that God uh, does the building. The Lord is a builder. He is a church builder. The Bible says there in Matthew chapter, Chapter 16, verse 18, he says, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, the Lord talking here. And he says, And upon this rock, he's talking about himself. We've had some preachers talking about the rocks. Brother John is preaching about the preeminence of Christ. The greatest name ever is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that goes right along with this morning's message. I have not shared them my notes. They might have heard what I was going to preach and maybe the text. But the, the Lord's worked it out. I did not tell them what to preach on. But I will tell you you this, Jesus Christ is a church builder. And, uh, uh, and, and the Bible says so, and he says, uh, I, in the gates of hell, he said, I'll build my church. Let me finish the verse here. And he says, in the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is a builder? Uh, having been in the construction trades uh, most of my life, it's, it's really all I've ever done besides ministry and preaching and studying is working in the trades, construction. I've been on a lot of new, new construction in my lifetime. And one of the things I know is that every project, every house has a builder. Somebody is in charge and responsible for how everything goes together and is responsible 
responsible for how things are coordinated. Now, I wasn't a builder. I was what you would call a subcontract laborer. And my specialty was exterior claddings when it comes to stuccos, whether it be cement stucco or uh, synthetic stuccos. But that was our expertise. Uh, and, of course, every plaster thinks they're uh, a, a plumber or and every plaster thinks they're a carpenter. But our expertise lied in plastering. But well, a lot of times I'd get a phone call, and the phone call was from the builder saying, could you come by, look at my project, or could you come by and pick up a set of blueprints and give me an estimate on the stucco on this house? And as I read this verse, I, it, it made sense to me. I've, I've heard other preachers preach out of this, and, and they did a wonderful job. But I, I think they come from it from a perspective of not having been in construction or having been part of a building process. But Jesus, and this, this scripture here is saying that God, or the Lord Christ, the Lord, is the builder. And then he says, but he says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And those laborers, in my mind, it just clicked. It said, that's the subcontract laborers. <laughs> you know, that's those guys you, you hire out, you know, and, and you bring them in and you got to coordinate them and you got to get them to work together. And by the way, if you're building a house, somebody's got to be in charge. And while you're building that, the builders got to run the show and coordinate everything so it's run decently and in order. And it always works that way until you get into that house of God and then everybody says what's that order of service you see me this morning I had an order of service and I was sharing with the, the men in the sound booth I said this is how it's officially supposed to be done I've known that and Will and I'll generally run out a, an order of service but I was given one to to uh, Christopher this morning instead of him guessing when we're doing the penny march and trying to have the music queued up I figured I'd give him heads up give him order of service like I'm supposed to and I told him I said oh by the way when you're running PowerPoint I was supposed to give you notes to my message and I said so you knew when to turn the slides you're not guessing about that either he's got I could see the light bulbs going like oh oh okay <laughs> like I, I just like making things difficult for you <laughs> But a builder, he's the coordinator. And things got to be done right. And this is what the Bible's saying. God is in the building business. And we are the laborers. We're not free to make our own decisions. That would affect the building. And all work decisions must be okayed by the builder. I remember that. If there happened to be a change on the job, you got to take it to the builder. And you got to say, look, I'm running into this problem. And uh, this is what I propose that we do about this problem to get around this problem so it doesn't become a future problem. And the builder would say, well, have you either considered that? Or he might say, you know what? That's a pretty good idea. Let's run with it. But it had to be okay with the builder. You just can't show up on the job and do your own thing. Work in your own world. You have to learn how to work with others. This Bible is clear that Jesus is the builder. 
And if our church is to move forward in the years to come and to be able to stand the storms of life, you didn't know that was in the message, but I was thinking about that, about making sure that the house of God is built on the solid rock and not on shifting sand. The problem with building it on sand, and sand is a type of man's ideals and those winds of doctrines that come through and they're easy. Like Brother Will said, he said, sand is easy. You can mold it into anything. And we're seeing that going on in the modern day church movement. We're not doing church like we were doing it a hundred years ago. And let me tell you something. If it was right a hundred years ago, it's still right. And if it was wrong a hundred years ago, it's still wrong. Just because culture drifts doesn't mean the church should be drifting. That's sand. And so, God has given us the blueprint. It's the Word of God. Our methods should not change even when culture changes. And culture is rapidly changing today. But we must stay with the tried and true methods. Our message cannot change. It's the message that Jesus saves sinners. It's the gospel. It's the death, burial, and the resurrection. That's what Jesus said to preach because this world is in need of a Savior. So our message cannot change. But our motives cannot change. Sinners need to be saved. So I'm going to give you four things that we must have if the Lord is to build this house. And I believe that they'd be very necessary. They'd be very important. And without these four things, that our church will not stand the test of time. And he says in this verse, if the Lord builds it, the Lord keeps it. If you caught that. There's a lot of churches that are not being kept because the Lord didn't build it. I like what Brother John said. There's been people that have been Christianized. I believe there's churches that have been Christianized. They got a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They deny the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They deny uh, the builder and the boss, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Lord says, when I build this house, and if God builds it, it must be built upon the preeminence of Christ. Take your Bible to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. If God is to build the church, then it must be built upon the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18, Colossians 1 verse 18, and he says, And he is the head of the body. He's talking about Christ, the church. Yeah, amen. The church is not this fine building that we are sitting in this morning. The church is saved, born again, believers. So if you're born again, you make up part of the church this morning. And he says he's the head of it. He's the boss. He comes first. He says, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. All oh, the Lord is in charge. If God's going to build 
the church. It must be built upon the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. In everything that we do, Christ must have the preeminence. He is the author. He has all authority. Uh, I, I like it. Uh, uh, talking with other pastors. And, and, and this week I had seen uh, uh, Paul Chappell was taking part of some uh, online. They had a leadership conference. And, and uh, he was uh, talking about that a preacher years ago had, had uh, wrote him a letter and says, You know, I don't think your music's real godly. He said, uh, 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 We need to talk about it. He said, You used a slide. There was a slide in the song. Of course, Brother Paul Chapel, he, he comes running to his music director and he's like, uh, Brother, what is a slide in music? What, what, what is that? I mean, if that's not biblical, I don't want to be doing it. And of course, they got that worked out. It was somebody making a mountain out of a molehill. But my, my, what, what grabbed my attention was that pastor, Brother Paul Chapel, and, he, and he, he, he pastors a very large church out in Lancaster, California. But he stood under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And if, if he happens to learn or someone points out to him that he might not be doing something biblically, he could stand to be corrected because we have a builder and a maker and he's God and his blueprints is here. We don't all have it figured out. I thought that was very, very interesting. And it kind of made me smile that even the pastors such as he could stand to be corrected from the Word of God. That's what it means when he says that Jesus Christ must have the preeminence. He has the authority. He comes first. He has all authority. He has all the attention and I want to think that everything that we've done in here this morning has brought glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've not tried to uh, bring glory and honor to a man. We've not been trying to bring glory and honor to a program, but to Christ. And even in all of our activities that we do, I want to make sure that Christ has the preeminence in the activity, a couple years now, maybe it's been a whole year, time gets away from me. I felt the Lord put it on my heart that we start this youth choir. It's been actually going on since little Kinsley's been about two, one and a half, two. She's been singing up here on a Sunday morning. We've been working with her, and that thing grew. And the Lord finally says, you need to organize that, put that into a youth choir, and let the youth and begin to train them and to teach them how to bring glory and honor to God and to give the preeminence to the Lord Jesus Christ and that they have a part to play in the body of Christ and that they needed to be included in the worship. But it's going to be all about Christ. What I'm trying to do with the youth choir and really with all of the church is I want to inspire the youth to develop a heart for God. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to inspire them to develop a heart for God. These are the years that it needs to be done. 
But then I'm trying to include them in the church family and their part in the body of Christ. I believe a lot of churches do a disservice with their junior church because they get all the kids out of the worship service and they never understand or never take part in the adult worship service. And if junior church is to be done right, it should mimic the adult service. That means they should have singing and a song leader and a preacher and they should have a real service. They shouldn't be back there playing games and eating donuts while we're in here trying to worship God. And so how what I've done is we're going to put, do it all together and include them in the worship and include them and let them know that they're part of the body of Christ and they have a part to play. And then I want to instruct them and I want to instruct you from the Word of God through the preaching and the teaching and the discipleship. But then I want to involve them. See, it's all been good until you start talking about involvement. I want to involve them. I want to get them engaged for God. And I want them to do it even when they don't feel like doing it. You think I always feel like preaching? Now, I felt like it today. Because I know I'm going to eat chicken in a few minutes. Yeah, okay, it's 15 till. All right. I eat at 12. I'll wind this thing down. Brother Terry, back with that. Yeah, you, you, you do those wings, Brother Dennis, when Brother Terry gets back with that chicken, and I'll know. Unless the Lord and the Holy Spirit really gets in this thing, revival breaks out. And that'd be okay. As long as it's, oh, I better not say that. Lord, Lord, make me sick the rest of the day. <laughs> but I want to involve them in the ministry and their function in the body of Christ. Even when they don't want it. You know how teenagers are. I don't want to be engaged. I don't want to be involved. And that's when they need that involvement. We've lost a generation because of it. You make them go to school, don't you? I, I, you need to make them come to church. It ain't going to hurt them. You make them take baths, don't you? Mm -hmm. You make them eat their veggies, don't you? I mean, your kids ain't running your house, are they? That's quiet. Maybe they are. Well, let me put it like this. They don't run my house. <laughs> the little kids that we watch, they know it. It's like, we're in the preacher's house now. We have rules, right? I said, yep, that's correct. We do. Amen. Okay. If I'm bad, it's time out, chair. Yes, it is. Say, why? Because they ain't running the show. Especially if it's around eating time. <laughs> but then I want to impact them. I want them to have an impact on others. That others can see Christ in them. But that cannot happen unless Christ has the preeminence in the church. Number two. If God builds it. It must be built on the power of Christ. Take your Bible to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And verse 31. And when they had prayed, talking about the early church, the place was shaken where they were assembled 
together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. You see, if our church is to be built by the Lord, then if God's building it, it has to be built upon the power of Christ. No other power will do. He says here, because they were operating in the power of Christ, they had one heart that speaks of unity because they were all following Christ. They had one soul. They had one goal. And that was to see souls saved. They were going to tell others about Christ and be witnesses. And they had been united. That's what unites us, folks. Trying to get a church to work together in unity is not about pluralism. It's not about compromise. You want a church, if God's going to build the church, we must unite around His blueprints and around His power. And that's what unites us. It unites us just like families and brothers and sisters are united by blood because we are in Christ. We're of one blood and we have a goal and we have all the same power and we have each and every one of us has something that we should be doing in the body of Christ. But if we're going to get it done, it's going to have to be built upon the power of Christ. If God builds it, it must. And I say this, this is emphasized, the must be built on the preaching of Christ. Take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. I'm going to, this is a biblical message, a doctrinal message, but it's important that we understand what the blueprint says. You know, years on by when I would pick up a set of blueprints, the first thing I did was I had to have the specification page on that blueprint. I needed the floor plan and I needed the elevation. And then I needed the specification page. So why'd you need the specification page? Because I needed to know what the builder or the, or, or the architect or the owner had specified on what kind of material I was to use on that job because that would reflect in the price. Stucco just isn't stucco. Sometimes you got on jobs and they wanted to, to cure the brown out for seven days. It will be spelled out in the specifications. And if you don't do that and the work fails, it's on you. Sometimes they wanted to use stow product if it was an east clad home instead of a synergy product or they didn't want drive it and they wanted stow or if i used stow and they wanted drive it i'd have to go to the builder and get that approved that i could use this material but you found all that in the specification page and this bible is our blueprint and it has specifications 
And we're talking about God building the church. We're talking about real church. We're not talking about a Christianized church. We're talking about God getting in and having the preeminence. We're talking about God giving in and sending His power into the congregation and letting their light shine in the community. But then we're talking about God getting in of the preaching. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You see, there's a lot of churches being built on singing. You can build a church pretty quick on singing. I love music, as you can tell. And I've really got to watch a preacher has to be on guard against three things. Money, maidens, and music. The devil works the hardest on preachers in those three areas. Preachers, you guard yourself against money, maidens, and music. And we're seeing that the specifications and the blueprint is saying if God's going to build it, you want God's power and you're going to give God the preeminence, it has to emphasize and be built upon the preaching because that's where the power of God flows through. It's not going to be built with a school. I think that was happened here years gone by. You're not going to build it on a school. The school should not have the emphasis. I believe in Christian education. I believe in homeschooling. I believe that you better know what's going into your children's heads. Because if you don't know and don't care, the devil makes sure he puts his part in there. But that's... Not what God said to build. He said you build it on the preaching, not on a school. Now, we might have a school. We don't hear anymore. But you might have a school because you have children that need that. But that's not the emphasis. It's not going to be built on a choir. I know we're not going to build the church on the youth choir. I'm not trying to build the church on the youth choir. I like the youth choir, but I'm trying to teach them and instruct them and include them and involve them and engage them for Christ in these few short years because if we don't, the devil will get them and they'll be gone. It's not going to be built on singing. You can build it on singing. But when the singing's gone, they'll be gone. That's not in the specifications. You can't build it on programs. There's a lot of good programs, and I'm not against all the programs. But that's not the emphasis. It is built on good, old-fashioned preaching of the Word of God. That's what the specification says. It's not going to be built on shouting. Some people try to build their church on shouting church and they get that camp meeting thing going on. And boy, they get to shouting and they get to running and I'm not against that. You can do that if you want to. Keep it in English because I'm an interpreter. So if you happen to let loose in something, I will be interpreting it. <laughs> My folks know what that means. <laughs> People get saved through the preaching. And they get saved through the preaching of God's Word. And let me put this in here. 
if the preaching won't change you, then nothing else will. No self-help book is going to change you. If you're having problems, you say, Preacher, I need this, and I give you a book. If the preaching will not change you, no book will. If the preaching will not change you, and you sit there when God turns the water on hot, and you're sitting there like, boy, that's a little hot. Let me turn a little cold water on that, kind of cool that down to lukewarm. If that won't change you, nothing else will. Programs will not change you. The greatest choir in the world will not change you. It'll be the preaching. So if you won't respond to the preaching, nothing else is going to work if God's building it. I didn't say that you might not get emotionally moved and turn over a new leaf. But it won't last except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Oh, we got to stick by the book. If God builds it, it must be built on the people of Christ. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. If God builds it, it must be built on the people of Christ. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, said they were pricked in their hearts. What was Peter doing? He didn't have the Gaither band there that day. And by the way, Jesus didn't have some singing group following him around like, warm the crowd up for me a little bit, you know. Pass the plate around again and, 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 and just warm that. Did, did Jesus never done that? I know, I'm meddling, ain't I? Well, I'm trying to get you to work up an appetite because I don't want to have to take all those leftover home. And so the matter you get, do you get, do you eat when you get mad? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about stressed? I'm not really trying to make anybody mad. <laughs> stressed. I'm trying to provoke you a little bit. You're like, boy, I, he's working an appetite up me. I'm just wait till after sermon. We'll give that preacher a little what? Amen. You talk, I'll eat. <laughs> I believe it to be a great sin to talk while you're trying to eat. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. <laughs> That's the first book of Todd there. <laughs> I get quiet when it comes to eating time. I take it serious. It's going to have to be built on the people of Christ. So Peter's preaching. Now, I'm not against singing groups, people. But I do believe that we don't emphasize it. We emphasize preaching. And that's why we had preaching today. We're going to give opportunity to these young preachers to preach and to be able to, to uh, speak what God has put on their hearts. It'll be built on preaching. He said they got under conviction. He says they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter, the preaching moved them, and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They got uncomfortable. Like somebody stabbing them in the heart. And Peter said unto them, Repent. Oh, people don't like that word. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on down. He says, 
And, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, uh, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they, glad to receive his word, were baptized the same day. There were added unto them about 3,000 souls. You see, this church started out with 12 when Christ started it. Here before the day of Pentecost, it had 120 members that they had gathered the names together. Yes, God believes in membership. He believes, you say, well, what's membership? It means commitment. And it's different than involvement. It's like the chicken and the pig. The chicken was just involved in breakfast, but the pig was committed. <laughs> they made bacon out of him. Chicken just laid eggs. That's the difference. They had 120 names gathered together. And then all of a sudden, because of the preaching of the Word of God, 3,000 people got saved that day. A couple chapters later, another 5,000. By the time you get to the end of the book of Acts, that church had close to 50,000 members in that church in Jerusalem. If the church, if God's going to build it, it must be built on the people of Christ. You know me, when I, people come in and say, boy, I, I want to join your church. Well, you have to be born again. That's, that's a must. Because it can't be built on lost people. You've got to be born again, have been scripturally baptized. We're going to have to hear your testimony. When did you realize you were lost? When did Jesus save you? Where did that happen? And what have you done for Jesus since you've been born again? If God is to build it, He's going to build it on the people of Christ. You say, what are you trying to say? He's going to build it on converted sinners. He has a list over there, the people that made up the Corinthian church. Let me read that list to you real quick in closing. Is the chicken back yet? Oh, there's Brother Terry. Thank you. All right, I've got to wind this down. Here's who it's built on. See if you fit this category. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. You say, well, what happened? Well, he says, but ye are washed. They got converted. But you're sanctified. You're justified. That's the people of Jesus. Converted sinners. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's just time to come to Jesus and let him use you. It'll be built upon the people of Christ who are converted sinners who've been convicted of their sins and they've repented 
and accepted Jesus. And now they have become consistent saints. You want to know what was going on over there in Acts 2? You read down through there. Those people were so committed and so consistent that God called all of them into full-time ministry. Not only did He save them, they felt the power of the Holy Spirit so strongly that they went and sold everything they had, given to the church, and took off out of there, spreading the gospel. Missions, right there. Missions. So I thought that was communism. You've been reading too much Karl Marx. It's missions. They gave it all to become consistent Christians. Now, I'm not saying give it all. (laughs) I'm saying that when God moves in and when God builds it, it'll be built on the preeminence of Christ. It'll be built on the power of Christ. It'll be built upon the preaching of Christ. And it'll be built upon the people of Christ if we're going to continue until he comes Christ must be the builder let's all stand this